1: Out podcast.
2: You guys, you heard her voice, and that was the voice of an angel. She's with us again. She's award-winning journalist, author, multiple award-winning author, just saying, and fellow podcaster, and my motherfucking homegirl, Maria Inojosa.
3: Two-time
2: guest on
3: Latinos <laughs> Out Loud. Two-time. Hey, hey, hey. that's what we're talking about. What's up, mama?
1: I love an intro that ends with my motherfucking homegirl.
3: I love it, too. De corazón. We love you, too, Mama. Right back at you. It's so good to be back with you, except, you know, I wanted to to be, like, for reals, like, able to hug you. I'm not doing that right now.
2: (sighs) Sending you a virtual hug through your real background. The rest of us are on virtual backgrounds. I think we need to keep it real. But it's a beautiful real background. And you have some studio-quality equipment there. Thank you for blessing us with good audio. It's important.
3: That's what I try to do. I try to deliver Good audio. Take that and put it on a T-shirt,
2: okay? Latino <laughs> USA in the thick. Don't
1: Take worry, I'm gonna, gonna put get
2: it a, on a bumper sticker. I'm gonna
1: get a better microphone on Amazon Prime Day. Don't worry. <laughs>
2: Give
1: me a week. Give me a week. <laughs>
2: You guys, it is such a pleasure and honor to have this woman back on the show. And we were talking behind the Zoom scenes about how the last time we saw each other, (laughs) I had, I was with child, with big child, with child ready to come out of the oven child. And um, it was just a different me, but I'm, I'm just so happy to like now be a little less stressed and swollen and to be here with you. Albeit virtually. Since then I had a baby, but so did you once I was you. Okay. <laughs> once true. I was you. It's
3: true. It's true.
2: An already like chart list topping book that's out there. Oh, thank you. By Mama. Maria Inojosa. Could you, you just tell us a little? I hate this question. Tell us a little bit about the book. It's like a we know what's going on in the book, but what was different about this one? And what's the message that you want people to gather or messages plural from this book?
3: So I don't know if you remember, in 2016, I was on primetime on MSNBC. It was close to the election, and I had a moment with this dude named Steve Cortez, who is a big Trump supporter, Mm. and he used the term illegals. He said, blah, 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 and not for the illegals, and I was like, eh, (laughs) what? (laughs) I actually did one of those, like, what? And yeah. then I said, so yeah, I did so the whole Latina. like, yeah, and then I was like, me, <laughs> there's no such thing as an illegal human being. Illegal is not a noun. Shut the fuck up. But I didn't say shut the fuck up because I was on primetime on MSNBC, but that went viral and yeah, it was like crazy. And so I thought, well, I'll write the book. Illegal is not a noun. Yo, you guys writing a book is really hard. Hmm. It- really hard it's Tell just a it's a lot I mean it's dedication it's hard and I didn't really want to write another book because I had written two before and um so I was like okay 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 I'll write a little book like a pocket book like the kind that you would buy like when you were at the airport and you were buying M&Ms and then you were like oh let me take this little <laughs> pocket book that says illegal is not a noun back when we thought that we would always be in airports and a little airplanes. baby book a little baby book
1: Coffee table um, book.
3: Yeah, no. Well,
1: coffee table. No. Nope. That be a lot of book. pictures. That be a lot. This is of like pictures. this is
3: like a plane ride book. This okay. is like the kind of book that you would read in one plane ride, and it was going to explain why you should never call a human being illegal and why e- the term illegal is not a noun. So stop it. Stop it. It. on nothing came of that. The publishers were not interested. Actually, I like to talk about. You know, people are always like, oh, my God, Maria Hinojosa. It's such a success all the time. And I'm like, yeah, you think so, my Instagram life. Now I got rejected by every publisher. Oh, wow. So I'm glad I didn't give up, right? And then I, but because they were kind of like, but we like this other stuff. And so it turned into a book that is, yes, my life as the first Latina in all of the newsrooms where I worked. Um, my life as a rape survivor. My life met navigating being Latina, being Americana, my life as a feminist, my life as a journalist, and so behind the scenes, what I was living being the first, the kind of, you know, people are like microaggressions. I was like, "Mm, yeah, it was more like a truck running over you, but then you'd go home and just be like, boy, I'm so glad I have a job. So that, and then, mis queridos y querida, I threw in a lot of history. So you're getting a lot of spinach, but it's like the best tasting spinach, like you know, with sazon or a little bit of olive oil and ajo. So it's um, that's what the book turned into. And hold on, I'm
1: gonna get some spinach real quick.
3: <laughs> He's method. He's really method. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> you know. Um, you know. You know. Let me let me just give a shout out to the person who helped me to understand that concept. Um, I don't know if you know the actor Raúl Castillo. You know him from Looking, you know him from We Are the Animals, you know him because he's been everywhere as an actor, and he read the book, he was my first reader, and he's the one who came out and said, wow, Maria, I feel armed. Not only do I know you better, but he was like, I feel armed with information to have these, to understand what the fuck, Mm. Latinos and immigrants, and then what is this, we tell you we love you, but then we actually don't, we actually do everything to make you feel like you're hated because you actually are being hated and the policies are affecting our real lives. So that was a short story behind the book.
2: Maria, (laughs) your, your entrance into the book, your story about coming to this country with your incredibly successful father who then called for his four children, you getting there. I'm paraphrasing. This is, you know, not how it sounds in the book. Please read the book. It's very descriptive. <laughs> this, you're a baby at this point, an infant in your mother's arms with get a German measles. This guy's trying to pull that shit when you're a baby. So basically you, the, the parallel that you drew in that this has been happening for so long. And, uh, I guess it was just—it's been a prelude to what you're experiencing now as an adult. Mm. Your your descriptions are like just amazing. Thank you, Mama. You take people places with your writing that's unimaginable. Thank you. So, could you you just tell us about what you remember from that experience, and and what your mother took away from that?
3: So here's the thing: the way I first find out about my arrival to this country is when I write my first memoir, which is "Raising Raúl: Adventures Raising Myself and My Son." And at that point, I was doing like, "Okay, I got to write this thing." So, ma, what was? O sea, ¿Qué pasó? What exactly happened? Like, I didn't, you know, everybody thinks they know exactly what happened, and then you actually have to go and indagar and ask again, and just be like. So Ma, what happened? And she was like, well, what happened was, and then the story that I took away was that something happened at the airport in the immigration checkpoint port at the Dallas airport. We had privilege. So let's be clear. My father was a medical doctor. He was the nerdiest, nerdiest Mexican dude. He gets hired by the University of Chicago to go work and lead the laboratory Nerdy dad, <clears throat> nerdy dad, may he rest in peace, wanted to help solve the issue of like, if you were deaf and you wanted to hear. So he was, my dad was insane. He was like, I'm gonna help people regain the possibility of hearing. So dad is recruited by the University of Chicago. He's there and four five, six months later, mom gets on a plane with the four of us kids with green cards, okay? So, so I described my mother wearing like, you know, like the most adorable kitten heels and her, you know, petticoat skirt and her pearls. She was rocking. She was like, I'm arriving to my new country. Hello, make room for me with my four kids. That was it. Yeah, that was it. She was like, boom. (laughs) And then this is, so what, what, the way I had understood it was that something happened at the airport and mom was a badass. And used her big mouth and basically made whatever happened get better. So I would tell this story in all of the speeches, I would be in like, there, my mother, she took on the immigration agent. And that's why I have such a big mouth, because me mama, you know, understood she stood up to the immigration agent. Wah! And everybody like, oh my god, my mom. <laughs> it was a moment for celebration. Like, what a badass mom you have. No, no entendia bien. I didn't understand everything that happened until until we all heard the sounds of those toddlers and babies and you know four or five years old kids who were caught um screaming for their for their loved ones Mm
4: -hmm.
3: and we were all in a nightmare of hearing those voices everybody here I, I assume there were a lot of people who could give two shits, but you know, for those of us who are, I could identify with what was happening in that scene, we were traumatized by what we were hearing. And a day or two later I'm in the airport, uh, going someplace, and my mom calls me, and mom was in tears. And I mean, llorando oh, a o sea, she calls yeah. and she's like and I'm like, Ma, 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 que pasa? Ay, que no, 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 and then she was like you know, what happens, ma, is that I'm hearing the voices of those babies crying, and I realized that I I was, I could have been that mother, and I'm like, ma de que hablas, mami and she's like those babies could have been you and I'm like what the fuck, qué? she's like, te trataron de quitar De, de me. They tried to take you from me. And at this moment, <clears throat> so my mom is in her 80s. When she realizes the trauma that she was met with the day she arrived with me in her arms and my brothers and sister and the immigration agent was looking over our bodies. We had green cards. So what the hell was he looking for? And then he spots a rash on my skin and he says, oh, well, we have to put her into quarantine. And he says to my mother, we have to keep her. And my mom basically freaks the fuck out and starts screaming. So what I thought was, oh, my mom was a badass. She was answering back to the immigration agent. My mom said, no, I went into fight or flight panic. Mm. And the only thing I knew I had was privilege. And she started screaming at him and she made a scene. And that's why I was not taken by an immigration agent in the Dallas airport in, the 19, in 1962, which by the way, then why was he gonna do this? It wasn't a fluke. I wasn't a one-off. It wasn't just gonna happen that one day. No, Texas policy on the books had it so that you, immigration agents, had to check the bodies of, and I'm about to use a slur, you had to check the bodies of the dirty Mexicans that were coming in. I was that dirty Mexican.
5: Wow.
3: So that was some deep shit. Um, That was really, really hard. And what changed everything is what changed for me. I understood why I'm doing what I do, why I do what I do, why I feel these things. And I'm so glad. I mean, I wasn't worried. I was proud of the fact that I was a proud immigrant Mexican journalist. But now I'm like, oh, now I understand. And this is what lingering trauma looks like. Wow. Yeah.
2: Thank you for sharing that, Maria. I can't you're even welcome. imagine the impact and the weight on your mother's shoulder. But can I just say something? You go, girl, mama, no whole shit. <laughs> you know, you tell them where you're from and you tell them what your man does.
3: <laughs> you're exactly right. And, and I still, you know, to this day, I am damn, ma, you answered back to an immigration agent. Hell yes. You go. I mean, Look, I want to be clear. She understood that the only thing that she had on her side right there was her privilege. And that is exactly why she said, you know, in her panic moment when she was like, and you call the president of the
4: University of Chicago. And you tell them. And you and the president, he hired Dr.
3: No, the president of the University of Chicago had not hired my father. But my mother was like, You fucking call the president. At <laughs> the University of Chicago, and you find out. So we understood privilege, and maybe that's why I've understood privilege and therefore understood like, yo, I gotta give back. I did, I was saved by privilege and by my mother's big, big mouth, honestly. Wow.
2: I'm sure a lot of Latinas could relate to having their mouths save their family. You know what I'm saying? That shit <laughs> saves my family sometimes. Like, excuse me, once you see the clap, you know to back up. Okay. Don't <laughs> so set us off on like, you know, especially Latina mom mode. Oh, cha.
3: Ya tu sabes. Mira, mira, mi mamá, what I learned from mom, and by the way, like all kids, I was like, mom, stop. Don't, don't, don't do that, mom. Don't say it. Don't, don't, mom, please. Because she was always taking somebody on. Um, <clears throat> you know, one time I remember was when we were in a restaurant in Mexico. and there were Americans, there were white Americans at the restaurant, and we were Mexican, right? And it was a Mexican restaurant, in Mexico, obviously. And the waiters gave the gringos, as we say, they gave them the cloth napkins, and they gave us the paper napkins. No, 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 no. Huh. ¿Por qué hicieron eso? Mi mamá <laughs> was just like, eh, I mean, like that happened. Wow. So yeah, she does own her power and her voice.
0: Maria, what do you feel about like the current administration and pretty much the same thing that's going on now that happened to you is going on now. What do you think about that?
3: You know what I think about that is I want to be in your background. I, I, that is the only thing in my life that I want to do. No, no, you're laughing at me. My dream is to go see the Aurora Borealis. So I don't mm. know how I'm going to do that since I'm not getting on any planes, but yo, I'm hypnotized now by your background. What's <laughs> <was> the question? <laughs> I forgot, yo. Yo, I forgot. Um, yeah, well, what was the question? <laughs> how do you feel? What I mean, do I think you- about, yeah. No, so, um, it breaks my heart. I mean, are you kidding me? Yo, like, I, I went into an immigrant detention camp in, you know, almost 10 years ago. Mm. I was showing, I was showing people what was going on and still it's like, uh, eh, eh. you know, the first immigration detention camp I visited was 1986. They used to call it El Corralón. Wow because they would put Central Americans out in the hot sun like cows, okay? Now, you know the first place where they put immigrants, when they encounter them, when they get into the system, they put them in La Hielera, the opposite of El Corralón. They're putting them in an icebox. They're torturing people and they leave no marks. There's no mark when you're freezing. Okay. you, what, oh, you were a little cold? Oh, too bad torture they have elevated this to a science of torture there is psychological torture going on in this place. I mean we know that they are removing u- women's uteruses just for the fuck of it mm. you know? yeah. so there is torture being unleashed upon people who look like you me or black please whether they are black latino whether they are a uh, jamaican or African, or Pakistani, Bangladeshi, Indian, Chinese, Vietnamese, de todo está ahí adentro. It's all of us. So it is a horror chamber that is making money on the private prison industry for a lot of people. A lot of money for a lot of people. Mm. I'm horrified. We, We should have been making progress and instead we've gone backwards. On this issue, on the backs, of men and women whose only crime, if there is a crime, is that we were not born in this country. Eso es todo.
1: So, I mean, this president, like specifically is very, you know, even in the recent debate, you know, they straight up asked him to uh, about white supremacists and he didn't say he wasn't, you know, is, is this kind of like manipulation, like every, you know, is he a racist or is he just kind of like doing this political <laughs> game? Like nobody really knows what's going on this guy's head why he says what he says but like i mean you know if, if, if there's such a a racial kind of separation right now in, in in the in the country and so do you think like just getting him out of office is gonna is gonna uh, put a band-aid to that or <clears throat> like what is is there any not that there's a solution but like how do you even you know i think we're too in we're in too deep with how yeah racially right. separated we all are and i don't yeah. even know if there's a way back
3: The genie's out of the bottle. Definitely. Mm. The genie is out of the bottle. I was talking earlier in another interview, and I said that in the early 1990s, um, I interviewed white supremacists, and people were like, ooh, oh, my God. Oh, man, you spoke to white supremacists. Where'd you find them? Oh, my God, there's so few of them, but you tracked them down. By the way, 90 minutes from Manhattan, Reading, Pennsylvania. Okay? So... They were not that hard to find, but they were definitely like, oh, my God, super like, what? (laughs) Okay, now, white supremacy is something that we talk about, and that is, again, es un logro. O sea, this is desenmascarado totalmente. This is Mm. unmasked. I still am very upset with the mainstream media that is run, as you know, mostly by white men of privilege. Uh, because they don't really feel the threat. They're like, let's keep on doing this. We're going to be objective journalism, like the pros and cons of everything, you know, like the pros and cons of cannibalism yeah. or the pros and cons of <laughs> children in cages.
5: Nothing the that deserves it.
3: Cons of forced hysterectomies on wow. immigrant women, you know, so they're like, you know what? He's, he's the president and we have to respect the office of the presidency. Es he doesn't respect the office of the presidency, so, so I'm very upset about the fact that the mainstream media has kind of played into and the president and the president says today, and the president's strategy and the president probably Oh yeah, he is a liar. I'm not saying anything that nobody doesn't know, and you're going to tell me that smart ass journalists from the New York Times and the Washington Post, the Wall Street Journal, ABC News, that we're not smart enough, that we're being conned by the expert con man? No fucking Mm. mames. No mames, de verdad? No mames.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So, Maria, on on the other end of that spectrum, why are there so, I mean, and I'm, you know, this is just me reading and and, and seeing stuff and on the news. I, I feel like I see a lot of articles saying Latinos, there's a lot of Latinos for Trump. Biden's having trouble getting Latinos on his side why do you think there is such Trump still has a very strong Latino uh, base
3: dude I mean that's the 64 million dollar question I mean I can Mm -hmm. share a couple of ideas with you so one there are some simple things like for example if you're Cuban or Venezolano and Trump is telling you the messaging is if Biden wins he's going to take away your house he's going to take away your your ganancias he's going to take away your medical care he's going to take away your social security they, they are victims of trauma. And so they react, well, like, well, shit, we're not gonna do that. So there's that. There is the anti-abortion vote with all of your family members who are evangelicals, where it's like anti-abortion, that's it. So there is that part of the vote. And that's, that's a lot right there, that, that's substantial. But then you add on to that. <clears throat> and, then, and then, wait, before I go to the other, but then there is like the staunch like party people who are like South Texas Latino Republicans no matter what. Like they are just like Republicans for, for generations. Now, whether or not their kids, whether or not their 20 year old, 18 year old, 20, 22 year old kids will vote for Trump, I don't know. So that is iffy. But then you see, if you have hate being sent down from right where you're sitting, the White House, every single day to you, and you are told, the way the campaign begins for the man who ends up winning is, you Mexicans, you're a bunch of rapists and criminals. We fucking hate you. Get the fuck out of the country. The fuck are you doing here? I mean, I'm adding the F-bombs for emphasis, but basically that's what he said. And every single day, build the wall, got to keep them out. They're gang members. They're terrorists. They're anarchists. They're coming here to take away English. They're going to take your job. They're going to take your children, they're going to take everything. And we're just like, the quién hablan? So if you don't have a lot of self-esteem or if you don't have family members who are inculcating how fucking cool we are to be Latinos and Latinas, the raza cosmica that we are, if instead you don't have family who who necessarily finds that connection with our roots, then you're hearing this and you're like, I don't want to be that. Hmm. I am not that. I am not. That caravan crossing, border crossing, wall jumping, illegal immigrant, you know, who's gonna become a drug dealer, a member of MS 13 and, you know, take your children. No, I'm not that. Hmm. Shut the door, shut the door. Keep keep them out. I have, I have, oof, I have met many Latinos who are like, no, ya, ya, no tienen que, ya, tienen que cerrar la puerta, ya cerrar esa frontera. Se están metiendo todos los, los maliantes. Los <laughs> mujeriegos, one guy said, están entrando todos los y los traficantes y los mujeriegos. I was, like, I was like, yo, you just got, like, you spent 20 years bringing legally your five kids to Iowa. That's where we were, in Iowa. Wow. you're going to vote for Trump. And now that you're here, you're like, shut the door behind me. I'm like, yep. qué, qué conveniente. So... So we do have to be having these conversations and hoping to have them with our family members with an element of love, I hope.
5: I have a question um, and and it kind of pertains to what you're saying, what we just spoke about, meaning, you know, because uh, a lot has been said about the information that's being spread on these Latino networks, as far as what's being spread to our relatives, which is very different from what, how we're consuming our news, you know. Um, so I want to ask you, because there's something that's been, um, But now that's subjective, which I don't think it should be, and that's the truth, uh, especially when it comes to journalism, you know, and there's such an intersectionality with you being a woman, a Latina and being a journalist. But just from the journalist uh, standpoint, it's like, how do you feel that like that's no people don't believe like there's people out there that don't believe the news like and this is where for forever we've been getting our information. And I was like, that's not. Unless it's saying the news that we want to hear, because everybody's kind of in their own echo chambers. Yeah. Um, like how do you feel about that as a journalist? Like how how has that affected your job and how do you go about that?
1: Jerry, right, are you well, talking about fake news? Fake news?
5: <laughs> no, this is real
1: news. Doesn't
5: feel into a real so, news person. That's so I'm,
3: gonna, to I'm gonna tell you a little joke because <clears throat> I think your podcast is called Latinos Out Loud, and I think yes. it's about laughing. Sure. Um so. I am five things that this president, this particular president, from where you are sitting, Jimmy, right from where you are sitting, this particular president does not like these five things that I am. So I am Mexican. I'm an immigrant. I'm a journalist. I'm a woman. <laughs> and I'm flat chested.
4: <laughs> oh, <Holy> shit. <laughs> <laughs>
5: As a comedian i have to give you kudos on that, yeah. that was wonderful <laughs> all setup. around thank
2: the you. delivery thank the you. list
3: thank a good list. <laughs> thank, you. thank you quite the you setup i should make it should i just go and try and be a stand-up comic and do it. <laughs> all alone with nobody there and with my face mask i don't know um so i like to laugh but your question is a legit question in fact i asked the editor-in-chief of the washington post marty Barron, in a conference he's a very ser- i mean he's very power- he's the editor-in-chief of the washington post and I said to him, I said, how you tell me, Marty, how am I as a journalist supposed to handle this administration that is spewing racism and hatred against people like me? You want me to be objective? Do you, do you? So so, uh, so you want me to be white male objective? Mm, That's right. what you want. You want mm. me to be white male objective. And by the way, who died and made white men the owners of objectivity and of fairness? Hmm. I mean, in the book, there's a segment, there's a lot of juicy details about my life as a journalist. So it is a great read for people who care about journalists or journalists or backstories. So there's a moment when I'm writing for Walter Cronkite, who, as you know, is like the father of American journalism on television. Yes. I ended up writing for him. I worked for him. What? Yes, I worked what? for Walter Cronkite. I I worked for Walter Cronkite. I I wrote his end of the year commentary. And um, my boss was like, yeah, no, he won't read this. It's it's too angry Latina. And I was like, no, it's not. I wrote this as a journalist. No, 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 no. This is too angry Latina. And I was like, no, let's go take it downstairs to the CBS Evening News guy. Don't tell him it was written by me, the Latina. Just show it to him and ask him if Walter will read it. And we went down there and he gave it to the editor and he was like, no, this is good. It's good. Mm. Walter will love it. And Walter Cronkite read my piece. This whole notion of kind of fighting for for us to be journalists. I mean, you know who my journalist role model is? It's Frederick Douglass. Mm. Who this estupido presidente, perdón, thought was alive. Still alive, yeah. You know, (laughs) and it's just like, okay.
1: I don't watch (laughs) boxing that much, but I'm, I'm pretty sure he's... He has a fight this Saturday. Frederick Douglass (laughs) versus Mike Tyson.
3: (laughs) So, so, um, you know, that is my tie to my why I do what I do in this world of journalism. That is why. It's because he, Frederick Douglass is my American hero. That's why I do the journalism that I do. He's my father of objectivity. He was born into slavery. You're going to tell me I mean, Walter Cronkite would be that man who says, "No, man, respect Frederick. Yo, respect." Because Walter Cronkite, in my view, I'm talking for him now. May he rest in peace. It's like I don't think that he was like all like freaked out. But there are a lot of white men in power in the media who want to control the narrative. And it's like, like I said earlier today, I was like, "Yo, um, love you, white guys." Some of my best mm-hmm. friend are white guys, but mm-hmm. you know, como que ya es hora de que you don't own and run. Every single national media company, journalism. No, yeah, por favor, share a little. Weren't you taught to share? Hmm. It'll be a good business decision, actually. So, it's it's a challenging time right now, but um, what keeps me going is that there's a lot of love for the work that we do, and also I'm a professor because, as you know. I'm Mexican, so I have 16 different jobs. <laughs> I never say no to work. So when yeah. they were like, you want to be a professor? I was like, hell yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, <clears throat> and I see my students who are really smart and they many of them want to become journalists. So I'm hopeful still. Mm. Well, we appreciate the work. Thank you. Yeah. Yes. Thank you. Yes.
2: And uh, kind of speaking of challenging times, through your work and through what we see on what you produce for us consumers to consume, you like basically lived in the air. You were flying everywhere. And even like when we were with you, I think you had a flight that very next morning. so how i mean this pandemic has got you grounded um but what what has changed in your life have you been able to take on anything else or what are you doing with that time that you know you're on the ground with us now Uh, what are you doing
3: yeah i lived in airports and i i hate airports i hate hotels except for maybe three
2: (laughs) this is juicy which three that's an interesting question Which are your three? <laughs> which are the top two to three that you, like, you know... All right. Um,
3: so, the Charles Hotel in Cambridge, Massachusetts. Okay. okay. It's next to Harvard. <laughs> it's next to Harvard. Harvard. Um, it's beautiful. Um, Shutters on the Beach, which is in Santa Monica. Mm. And... That might be it. There's a hotel in Riverside, California <clears throat> that some rich dude made a replica, not even a replica, but it's basically like the most gaudy building you could ever imagine. <laughs> Looks like a convent with like a castle and every single room is like unique. And my room was a duplex with a fireplace and a whining. It's like that, that one. I mean, I you know, I got there at eleven o'clock at night, and I was out by ten o'clock in the morning. So it's not like I ever get to enjoy any of these <laughs> things. But um, that. Thank that you would for the recos. It. Oh, it's. Good I don't so good do a lot. Of, you. I don't do a lot of product placement, but I did just tell you. That <laughs> um, so listen, I. Um, what you been up to? What you been doing at home? Well, I survived COVID. Thank the Lord Jesus. Jesus. Oh, oh, my goodness. goodness. I was on planes, trains, and automobiles up until the end. The last place that I visited was at that point, the epicenter, which was Los Angeles, California. Um, And then I got sick. And so I was basically with a fever for about 30 days.
4: You
3: know, really just out of sorts. I mean, I I kept on pushing through to like record Latino USA because it would only take me, you know, 45 minutes. And then I just go back into bed. Um, Thankfully, we have a three-bedroom apartment in New York City, which is extraordinary. Um, So so the groundedness has actually forced me to be more grounded in that sense. Um, Once I got better, I went back to my maniac self. And so I'm in the park at 7 o'clock in the morning every single morning with my crew led by our African trainer. And we box and we dance in the park at 7 o'clock in the morning wow you um, look so
2: good you guys have to leak like go to her instagram story.
3: <laughs> She's like you know kickboxing and like but you look amazing
5: okay. you
1: inspire jamie sure. yeah. yeah i'm gonna show up to the park one morning and be like maria
3: i'm there every morning dancing, how doing? 7, 8, all the time all dancing going crazy with the speaker of full top you know um, today I happened to the first song was like supermitting and people were like whoa it's seven o'clock in the morning <laughs> uh, it was really it was really adorable um I have focused on trying to be a little bit more centered uh trying to do the meditation so really trying to focus on that I did a lot of swimming over the summer um because I go to a little place in Connecticut that we have it's a By the way, I know in Connecticut, there are like really big houses. That's not what we have. We have a fishing cottage. Wow. That because I'm married to a Dominican artist who's an architect, he has transformed. But it's basically a fishing cottage that didn't have heat. Um, But I'm in a little, uh, I get to swim in a lake there. So a Mm. lot of communicating with nature. um, And and I miss people now. I really miss, I'm sick of this. I'm, I mean, it's easy, dude. I love being, mira, descalza. Um, you know, I love, I love just putting on lipstick and I'm like, it's good. Like you don't have to check all my makeup and see exactly how bad the makeup is. Right. I love not having to commute any place. Like today I haven't been out of the house since I arrived after I walked the dog at you know i did the workout came back walked the dog was here by 8:30 and i have been from one room to another room all day entonces it's easy but i'm fucking tired of it hmm and <clears throat> i miss human contact i really am beginning to just be like what's going to happen what 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 so that's that's what i'm that's what i've been doing
4: hmm.
1: yeah. maria look before this interview ends like I, I think we all would want to hear an, you read an excerpt from, oh, your, yeah. from your book. Wow, yeah. Yes. Idea, I don't know if Good you idea. have work already. I don't know if I'm... No, preparing. no, I'm going to
3: go get a copy of the book. Okay. <clears throat> Real fast, it's we're going to get the copy of the book. So, Meanwhile...
1: Yeah, you don't want any of these guys reading your book.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can hold it up while we wait, if you want. I can just do this.
1: You can hold it up. Yeah, yeah but this, remember, this, Rachel, is, the this book. is a podcast. Yeah,
2: yeah. Maria, could you sign my book, please?
3: Here. I... <laughs> if, here.
5: Virtual signature. If you want to sign it, you can
3: sign it, right? Uh, you're so adorable. Listen, <clears throat> so what you need to do, first of all, for your listener, listeners, viewers, um, if you have a book club, let us know that you're reading the book. Because we're going to try, I'm going to try to zoom crash into book clubs. That's nice. my idea. I really want to zoom crash into people's book clubs. So that's what I'm trying to do. But for you, for example, if you just send me an email, because you have my email, um, just tell me the address and who you want the book dedicated to. I have little stickers that I'll sign and I'll send it to you and then you can stick it on and it will be like it was signed. I love it. Did you know what you wanted me to read?
1: Mm. Are I mean, you- that's why I, was, I didn't know if there was any specific. Say you were on a book tour and you were, you know, uh, are mm. there any, are there any bookstores left uh, open? In the <laughs> Shit. <laughs> if you were, let's just say, <laughs> say. They're about to burn were, books, bro. <laughs>
5: they're about to burn books. They're too smart.
3: Yeah. There are books. They're actually, um, and even here near my house, there's a uh, good boys book, com- book, book culture. And yeah. it's there. It's on their shelves. My daughter took a picture of it.
1: Nice. So, yeah, something that you. Were so, all was, right. A-
3: <clears throat> all right i'll read allergies mm. allergies all right so this is um so i had already written the book i was done i thought i was done <laughs> and then my editor comes back michelle herrera mulligan mexican irish from chicago yo-yo mm. brilliant editor editor uh, simon schuster and she says oh, i'm so glad that you wrote the book it's great can you now we need you to write the introduction i was like what the fuck <laughs> I was like ¿Qué, qué? And She was like yeah you need to write an introduction Damn.
1: She's thinking that Mexicans do Have a lot of jobs thing too yeah, yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. She, she was like you wrote
3: it Can
2: now you go also back design and write. Yeah, yeah. 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 I was like oh like, We're hard workers but don't be an abusadora Shit.
3: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So My great muse The American writer Sandra Cisneros, Cisneros Who wrote The House on Mango Street Caramelo I mean, she's, you really need to have her on, you know, she is the most famous Latina writer. And she told me, you know, don't always write about what you remember, write about what you wish you could forget. Mm. And this is a moment that I will always remember, but I also wish I could forget. Um, And so this is when I went back and I wrote this introduction to the book Uh, and I'll read just a couple of paragraphs in the beginning. So this is um, a a letter to the girl at McAllen airport In February 2019, I was kneeling down on the nasty gray carpeting of the McAllen Airport, nine miles from the border of Texas and Mexico, looking for a plug to charge my phone. I knew I'd look silly. A grown woman on all fours at seven in the morning in a relatively empty airport. My hair was pulled up in an unruly bun and I was wearing my black rimmed glasses and beat up gray cashmere turtleneck, my low maintenance travel outfit, But I was still a self-respecting Latina, so I had on a dab of Selena's lipstick, my gold hoops, (laughs) and of course, my cashmere sweater was bought at a discount store. (laughs) That's when I caught you looking at me. At first, I thought you were curious like any other kid staring at a strange woman in an airport, except that you looked at me as if I wasn't there. I just happened to step into your line of sight by mistake. You were staring into nothing because nothing made sense anymore. At least that's how you looked, exhausted. You didn't even seem scared. It's as if you had been there, done that. Fear didn't serve you. Now you were just the numb girl, the one with the gaze of nothingness, of just barely being human because that's how you've been made to feel these past weeks or was it months? It's as if you had been anesthetized by some mysterious poison that kept you alive on the outside but dead on the inside. Could you really be telling me all of this with one empty stare? When I saw you looking at me, or rather through me, I stared back with concern, but also an all-encompassing curiosity, which almost immediately became an intuitive, maternal kind of warmth. Did you feel that? was it the first time that you had crossed, since you had crossed into this hell of a place that anyone had looked at you with affection? And then I continued with, I surveyed the situation. You were one of nine children being taken from the border by two chaperones on this flight to Houston. And then who knows where you would end up or what your collective fate would be. I realized that this was my chance to speak to one of the children who we've been told over and over again present a secret threat to our country. These are the children President Trump called animals who must be kept out of the country at all costs because they look so innocent. They're not innocent, he said. I had a recorder with a built-in mic already set up because I was about to call a source and record our conversation as per usual. But now I was ready to hear your voice, Mijita ready to hear your story. Hola. Hola. Como estas? Bien. When you spoke, I could hardly hear you. It's as if they had taken away your ability to speak. How many times had they told you to be quiet, yelled it at you for speaking or laughing? Now I was asking you to speak, and your voice was as timid as one could be without being a silent whisper, without me having to read your lips. Acabas de llegar? Tienes miedo? Un poquito. Un poquito. ¿Y tus papas? ¿Donde están? En Guatemala. ¿Veniste sola? Con mi tio. ¿Y esa gente? ¿Es tu familia? ¿Estás solita, solita, solita? Aquí no tengo. ¿Te pusieron en un centro de detención? ¿Una casa super grande? Super, super grande. Sí. I took a breath. I was trembling inside. I was bearing witness in the gentlest of ways, a quiet, intimate conversation to one of the greatest modern horrors of the United States of America. The holding of innocent children, the transporting, trafficking, kidnapping of children by a government. Children like this little girl who clearly had no idea what was going on or why. Wow.
2: It's just such a like. This is the part in the, the bookstore
1: where someone's like, We love you, Maria.
2: Yeah, right? Like, <laughs> put your lighters up, but don't burn the books or anything. But Put your lighters up, you know? It's
3: lighters. <laughs> Not, near lighter, the lighters.
1: Not near the book.
3: <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jamie, of course. Hold on, I have a lighter here, right? Oh, wait a second here. Oh. oh I- yes, son. Uh, oh, for yes, myself. Son.
2: <laughs> hi maria congratulations on your third book what an accomplishment and for sharing that excerpt and everybody better go out and
3: cop this book it's everywhere so no 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 don't cop. don't cop it oh don't yeah don't cop you it. know what i'm saying cop it you know <laughs> in other words pay for it yeah, buy oh it. yeah yeah buy it. oh wait did i use the wrong word with yeah, that slang yeah. of the word? here's the thing here's the thing the reason why is because every one of the books that you buy is caught towards trying to make it to that New York Times bestseller list. All right. So, so yeah. So if you at least buy one.
2: Go out and let me clarify, go out and buy the book, buy it, you know, buy one for your friend. Yes.
3: Did a, yeah. you,
2: question. Did you do the audio version of yes, the book? Yes,
3: Mamita, I did. Ah. Yeah. I haven't oh, heard transfer. So like, are you serious? I'm like, please, I can't stand myself anymore. But I did do the audio version. It is somewhat, no, it's very dramatic. Uh, Yeah, it's very dramatic.
2: I'm going to transfer from the hardcover to the audio. I'm going to make the shift probably this evening because I want the audio. Or maybe I'll do both at the same time. Look at your voice and the words at the same time. Do you have nothing else to do with your time, Amita? I have a
4: lot (laughs) to do.
2: I do, but, you know, I'm in the book now. I'm like 40 pages in and it's very...
3: uh, She's like, I'm going to stay up all night reading the book and listening to your voice, <laughs>
2: and the fact that you approach the cannabis topic—I cannot wait to get to that point in the
3: book. You know what? I, it was a much bigger deal in my view, but we did have to cut out. All, I wrote an extra hundred thousand words. Oh wow! Bad. Yeah, I did. I wrote. We don't make crazy you do that. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. A good sativa, hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Now I know why I did that.
1: <laughs> and then the oh. next thing is like, what does this all mean?
3: This mean? And, and on a typewriter at that, it was no, so I weird. will tell you this. I will tell you this. Um, so in, in all seriousness, I am very thankful to, um, to, to, what do we want to call it? La, la, la Yerba Santa. Right. I'm very grateful because um, it does unleash a part of my brain that allows me to to disconnect in a way that is very important for me as a human being, as a writer. I mean, I see the aurora borealis. I, I mean, I'm just going to tell you. So I'm just going to tell you the way a Saturday morning might look for me. Very early, I'll come down and I'll sit at the little lake the sun is glimmering. You saw it on my Instagram. I posted it because it was crazy. The sun is glimmering, you know, and then, <clears throat> you know, it, it, I will be in the space of having consumed <laughs> legally, legally in the state of Connecticut. Okay. Amazing. Legally. Amazing. Um, and I'll start having visions, um, you know, whether it's, you know, it's not, sometimes it was very visual this time, even though my eyes were closed, but but then I start making connections and I'm working on the next book. So I can't tell you what it is. But I'm working on the next thing. So I have to be able to disconnect. Um, and that's what it allows me to do. And so I it's not for everybody, but for me, but by the way, I don't drink at all. Right. Like I get drunk on more than a third of a white claw. Oh
1: no. <laughs> like Jamie. Yeah.
3: yeah. Yeah. I
1: uh, one picnic. That was one picnic.
2: One Shirley Temple, and he's done. <laughs> That's me.
3: If I have, a, if I have like un presidente y medio, like oh. which is the only time that I drink presidente is when I'm in the Dominican. In recovery. the
5: Dominican, yes.
3: If I have a napkin coming out of it with yeah. yeah, with you know the whole vestida de blanca, vestida yes. de novia, El the velo. Whole thing, yeah, yes. the whole thing. I'm like I'm the happiest little girl. I'm like dancing around, but that is dangerous. Me with one and a half years is like dangerous. <laughs> <laughs> so that's why I just partake in La Hierba Santa, and um, and I'm all good. I'm very, very thankful that it is really a part of my life, and I'm all good. Mm. Oh,
5: Amen. Oh,
3: Amen. Oh, oh,
5: You're talking to disciples right now, yeah. <laughs> Amen. Salud,
2: salud.
3: <laughs> Let's see. Salud, salud. Yeah. Yay! Yay. Oh, wow.
2: Put your lighters up. All right.
3: <laughs> <laughs> oh my of God. All right. Three of us. This
2: is such a Zoom party right now. Oh my gosh! You guys, Zoom. please, out there, wherever you are, put your hands together, put your books together, right now. Clap it up for Maria.
3: Thank you, people. Thank you, familia. Love you guys so much. Thank you so much for this return. Thank you. Um, I'm happy to come and join you anytime. Dude, let's do it in person when we can do it in person. Yep.
2: You can't wait. We're yep. we're very excited to get back in the studio
3: and we're going to have a motherfucking party. I love you guys. I love you all. We'll love, you so we'll mother. Mother. Love, love you so much. Besitos.
1: Attention Latinx business owners, Google has announced a $3 million grant to Hispanics in philanthropy's hashtag Power Up Fund. Together with Eureka, a community built to support and grow underrepresented small businesses, the Power Up Fund will not only help grow Latino small businesses, but also help entrepreneurs build the skills to continue that growth in the future. Applications for this $5,000 grant and intensive mentoring program are open now, okay? And they're open to businesses in California, Texas, and New York. All right. So we've been talking about we talked about this before, and we are really encouraging you to apply now. Um, the URL is pretty long, so you should just go to our Instagram page. Latinos think allowed. Check out the URL and sign up.
2: Word. Go get that capital for your business, people. Five thousand dollars.
0: That's a lot of money. Yeah, uh, hashtag power of fun, doing good things.